I remember speaking in the Midwest one time, and it was a very large audience outside, and the mic went dead. That's similar to the ballroom problem today, I guess. And an engineer came up to me, kind of pushed me aside, said, get away, lady. He said, there's a screw loose in the speaker. He was right. <laughs> it was me. I'm not prepared to make a speech, uh, but I would like to tell you that I have three elderly children. I have one young granddaughter. I have a great husband. We've been married for 36 years. He's involved in international marine resource development, works all over the world uh, in developing countries and other countries. And for instance, he took 450,000 catfish to Yugoslavia at the request of the Yugoslavian government. And this was quite a job to do. Uh, he designed the containers himself with his partner from Osage Beach, Missouri. And they took all these fingerlings and uh, um, broodstock to Belgrade, where they were then taken by truck to Osijek and put in a 200-acre pond I said, where are they going over there? Well, the object was matrimony with uh, Yugoslav catfish. Catfish are, <laughs> are very popular over there for eating purposes. And everything went very well. The fish all survived the trip. When the TV station uh, sent a crew to cover the uh, arrival of the fish, one of the containers was open, and one fish felt so good he jumped out and a newsman stepped on him and killed him. <laughs> but the shipment was live. The shipment all arrived live, and it was just one hazard, uh, one, one fatality there on the tarmac. <laughs> but the problem with this was that um, they ate them all. <laughs> so now they want more catfish, and we'll, we'll continue this saga another time. As I told you last night, I've worked for 55 of my 58 years. I believe in, in babies having three years off for good behavior and having a chance to be a baby, but then get to work. And I'm sure that all of you have uh, done that, otherwise you wouldn't be here today. I've been fortunate to have a, a glorious career as a child. I wouldn't trade a minute of it. I thought everybody worked eight hours a day, so it didn't bother me at all. And um, I had a normal childhood at home with neighbor kids. Um, I'd get home from the studio and put on blue jeans and a t-shirt, climb a tree, have fun with the neighborhood kids. So it really was a great, great life. Then I was put in a private school in the seventh grade. I'd had a private tutor up to that point. Incidentally, I had a very, very high IQ, not as high as some of you but a very, very high IQ, and watch out, it goes. <laughs> Diminished capacity when you reach my age. <laughs> but uh, when I went to a, a normal school, I spent the first month, I guess, staring at the other kids and looking at pimples and hairdos and you know, real people I was with. This was exciting. 
and I didn't study at the beginning. So after I learned what everybody really was like, then I could hit the books, hit the work. But the best part of my life and the best job I've ever had in my life was as U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Ghana. We had Firestone Tire there, sorry, but we had Firestone Tire. I remember presenting the one millionth tire that was turned out in the middle of the forest uh, in Ghana to uh, the government of Ghana. I'm currently working as a foreign affairs officer at the Department of State as needed, and my primary job the past five and a half years is to train new first-time U.S. ambassadors before they go overseas to post. I would urge any of you looking for a career, look at the Foreign Service. It's a fascinating, fascinating job, and one that's well needed in this troubled world. My question re revolves around your work as a female ambassador. Um, do you feel that there are equal opportunities for women in this field, are, do you, or do you think America has made a big deal about equal opportunities for women. Um, do you think that there are indeed equal opportunities in foreign service and... Absolutely, there are. There are not as many women in the foreign service either as there are men. But for anyone who is qualified, anyone who tries and works hard, you can do it. The thing that bothers me a bit, I was a political appointee, so I was tapped on the shoulder by the president and asked to serve several times. But um, for me, that was a great honor. For most people in the Foreign Service, it takes anywhere from 15 to 20 years before you reach the rank of ambassador, if you ever do. So, but there is equal opportunity. In the seminar that I have been doing for five and a half years, we've had 152 new U.S. ambassadors, about half political appointees, half career. Out of that, I've, I finally had three women in the last seminar, three women's uh, ambassador designates. And before that, there have been about six. So you can see that uh, it's, it's not, uh, not the best. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try, shouldn't do it. And being an ambassador is not the ultimate goal. Serving your country is the ultimate goal. Um, I was wondering how you originally got into government service. We've had other actors do that, most notably <laughs> the president. But I married the president. Did you know that? Yeah. In a movie. <clears throat> <laughs> I was pregnant with my first child at the time, so. <laughs> well, Sounds like a National Enquirer story. <laughs> Anyhow, I was wondering how you originally got interested in government service and doing something for your country. I met a lot of famous people when I was a child, and a lot of I've, I've met a lot of people all my life, and I love people. Uh, but presidents, heads of state, foreign visitors came to the studio, had lunch with me. I got to know them a lot, and when I grew up and retired from my wonderful entertainment industry, which for me was wonderful, it's not wonderful for a lot of people, and married Charlie Black. We moved to Washington, D.C., where he was recalled in the Navy during Korea, and I became more interested in national affairs and international affairs. And I just outgrew 
the uh, motion picture industry. It uh, lost, I wanted to work in the real world. And so I started changing at that time. I worked very hard for my political party, grassroots level, envelope stuffer, walking precincts, all that sort of business. I made a speech to Kiwanis International down in uh, Houston. And at that time, I said, get involved. Don't sit on the sidelines. If you don't like the way things are going, get involved yourself. And I talked myself into it. <laughs> and I ran for Congress uh, in a special election in 1967. I came in second, but at least I tried. And from that point on, I went into international relations. Uh, former President Nixon appointed me as a U.S. representative to the United Nations, and I was not only a representative that, that session, the 24th General Assembly, but another two and a half years with the Environment Conference. And uh, from there, I went to another job. Oh, the next job was as, he's not asleep. The next job was, uh, for the uh, in, uh, Council on Environmental Quality, and I was a sewage sludge expert. <laughs> oh, you can have it. <laughs> I tired of that job after a while because I was thinking of my obituary. Former child star, now sewage sludge expert <laughs> has passed away, so I resigned. I took my resignation to the White House was very busy that day. People running around. I sat in the West Wing lobby for about an hour and a half. Finally, Rosemary Woods came out. She said, what's the matter, dear? I said, Rosemary, I want to resign. She said, not today, dear. Go back to your office. <laughs> I went back to my office. She called me in about a half an hour, and that was the day that Agnew had resigned. <laughs> <laughs> They lost his resignation, remember? But she didn't lose mine on tape. She didn't erase mine. <laughs> From that point on, I went, uh, I was appointed by President Ford as U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Ghana and then came back here as Chief of Protocol. Primary duty of Ambassador, what do you consider that you did that had the most lasting influence in Ghana? The primary job of the U.S. Ambassador is to represent the President and the people of the United States overseas. When you go overseas, you are the first family in that country. It's very hard on your children, by the way, because they're all looked at, too, to see what Americans are really like. So it's quite a narrow path you have to walk. You represent um, yourself, you're the President, to um, the foreign ministry, the head of state regarding foreign policy. You try to explain U.S. foreign policy to the, your host country. Uh, you speak to the students. You, you're just available to all segments of the community. Um, one of the major problems is that when you're a U.S. ambassador overseas, you are you have no personal opinion. You can't say, in my personal opinion, this is how I feel about something. Because they feel, the host country and others, feel that um, you're really speaking for the president. And the president is trying to give a message. So you don't have a personal opinion. If you have a dissenting opinion, 
you do it through um, State Department telegram to the President directly, to the Secretary of State. Use that sparingly if you're ever in this job. Don't, uh, don't bother them with a lot of, of messages that aren't really, really important. But you do have an, uh, the ability to, to voice dissent, but just not publicly. It's uh, confusing to everybody, so you don't do it. On South Africa, I'm not an ambassador. I'm an ambassador for life, but I don't have a real job right now. I'm a foe of apartheid, as I think almost all Americans are. I'm very proud of the corporations that have taken out newspaper ads in the major papers in South Africa opposing apartheid strongly. And I mean, these are IBM, Coca-Cola, Citibank, big corporations, over 80 of them. And they've been carrying on a campaign in the press against apartheid. I am not for any new investment in South Africa, but I wouldn't remove those who are already there. I wouldn't remove those. I wouldn't want to see destabilization of the government of South Africa, but they've got to change their ways quickly. There's, there's no more time. Time is running out. And I would hope that through, I think we should voice our opinions. I think we should peacefully uh, demonstrate against apartheid because then the government of South Africa will continue to get the message. And most of all, I'd like the president to go to South Africa. I'd like a summit meeting in South Africa with Margaret Thatcher, with Belgium, West Germany, the Western nations, and President Reagan. And maybe that way we could um, give President Botha a real uh, demonstration of how the American people feel about apartheid. Thank you.